welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is reed gozens from wildhorn capital welcome reed thank you so much for having me how are you going going good thanks for being on the show my pleasure a little bit about reed reed gozens is a real estate entrepreneur investor author and public speaker in 2012 reed quit his job in australia and moved halfway across the globe to the us to change his life and to chase a dream with limited funds no investing experience and no credit reed went from purchasing a small duplex to growing his own real estate investing firm wildhorn capital reed now syndicates large multi million dollar deals across the us he has also achieved financial freedom and has taken control of life with that reed would you like to add anything to your background well yeah that's what he summed it up very nicely there thank you so much yeah my background is also in structural engineering so i had a i went to university for structural engineering and then i decided to move to this country i'm really to chase a dream as you said in the introduction but also to chase a girl it was uh, my former girlfriend now wife Erica she uh, part of the reason i moved to the united states and the other part was to because i wanted to live in new york city so um yeah that's that's the other part Awesome. How did you get started into real estate and multifamily? Well, real estate itself, I got started by actually just after spending a couple of years abroad in overseas in Europe in 2008 and 2009, I returned back to Australia in 2010 and I was sitting in my cubicle at my civil engineering, structural engineering company, a couple of years out of university at this point and had really enjoyed my last couple of years of, of traveling around the world. And I was thinking to myself, like, what, you know, what can I do in order to you know, live my life by my, like on my own terms, right? And, and who can pay me just to live my life. And that's where I started looking at investing. And I stumbled upon the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that was really the start of uh, the spark within me to go and start you know, buying real estate or at least learning about real estate. And so prior to moving to the United States in 2010, 2011, I picked up this book, started reading it. And then I started to attend the local meetup events for real estate investing in Australia. But at the same time, I still had a very much big desire to move to the US. So my actual first property I purchased wasn't in Australia. It actually happened to be in America after I moved moved uh, six months after I moved to the US in 2012. So I spent sort of two and a half years in Australia and then made the move to the United States in early 2012, self-educating and then eventually pulling the trigger in a small duplex in upstate New York, where, where I was living in New York City. So that's how I got started. Okay, great. So how was your transition from buying small duplexes to large apartment communities? Well, it was a long journey. Uh, it definitely didn't happen overnight. It happened through um, getting a mentor. It happened through being able to apply myself in a way and, and build a brand where I can keep growing my investor database. And that's the most important thing when you're trying to start a, a real estate syndication company, because to go and buy a 50, 100, 200 unit apartment building, you need to have capital lined up. And so the most important thing you need to do in building that, that brand in around your story. And so I started my podcast called, called Investing in the US. And that was started back in 2015. And through that, I was able to share my story with, with other people who are interested in investing here in the United States and, and seeing all the incredible opportunities that I was seeing. And I was able to share that story with the world. And through that, people resonated with my story. And that's how I was able to grow, slowly grow an invested database, coupled with the fact that I was also started working on as a co-syndicator uh, on a couple of smaller deals. And then I slowly got the confidence to go out and do deals on my own because I was able to build that network of investors up and also able to you know, see more and more deals and thus then, you know, go and get the confidence to go and close on my first deal by myself as a lead syndicator. So it was over many years of growth, but really through understanding that I needed to grow the investor database because without that 
that investor database, you don't have the capital. And without capital, you can't go and you know, close on more deals. Awesome. So as a civil engineer, you work in multiple countries. How's that experience helping you in multifamily journey? Tremendously, right? You know, I come from institutional background, um, civil and structural engineering. I've worked across uh, the globe in London in early in 2008. I was in London working on the 2012 Olympic Games, uh, building infrastructure and the Paddington Station. I've worked in Australia, worked here in the United States when I first moved to the United States. I also use civil engineering as a as a pathway to jump in and uh, so, so part of my journey was for those couple of years between 2014 and 2017, I actually transitioned out of civil engineering, structural engineering and into, uh, I went and worked for a big real estate developer here in Los Angeles. And using my skill set as a civil engineer, I was able to be valuable to a, a real estate developer here who was building high-end multifamily. So for me, I sort of made the decision if I had to keep being involved and I have to be in the corporate America and keep a roof over my head. And probably a lot of your listeners probably resonate with that story, right? They've got to keep a job in order to because they're trying to build a side hustle. But I made the decision of saying, well, hang on, I've got this skill set. Maybe a developer might find that valuable. And so for me, I apply, I just sort of started reaching out to some bunch of developers. Uh, and at that time in 2014, when I moved from New York City to LA, I had enough of, of being a civil engineer, a structural engineer. I really wanted to learn the business of it. So I finally, I found a developer who was willing to take a bet on me because again, I had a, a skill set that he needed. And through that, I was able to get the highest paid corporate job I could whilst learning the business of you know one of the biggest developers here in Los Angeles. So you ask how my structural engineering experience helped. It helped obviously through the technical knowledge of knowing and understanding how to build stuff and, and, and analyze buildings, but it also provided me a stepping stone into working for a very large multifamily developer here in Los Angeles, which continued to grow my business prowess in and around developing a real estate company and thus then helped me give the confidence to go off and do my own deals. I was continuing to do deals on the side as I was working for this developer, but it got to a point where I was confident enough in myself to go and take that next leap of faith and, and start my own business. So the original question is, how did it help me? It, it was very influential influential from practical skill sets all the way through to being a valuable tool in someone else's business. So then thus I could continue to learn and be surrounded by real estate 24 seven. And then I was able to then take the leap of faith and, and jump into my own business you know, at, at a later date. Awesome. And thanks for sharing that read. So on what kind of challenges you faced during early stages of your multifamily journey and how did you overcome them? Oh, there's, look, there's, there's a ton of challenges, right? There's everything from personal challenges, trying to, you know, keep food on the table and, you know, the whole analogy of like spinning plates in the air. And, and I know so many people probably listening to this show, you know, I have a full-time job, need, you know, have a wife and kids and you know, or husband and kids and, and, and need to have a personal life. And they're also trying to build a side hustle at the same time. It's tough. And I've been exactly in those people's shoes and I can, there were some dark times, you know, where, where I thought I was never going to see the end of the tunnel. But the big thing for me was to continue to just know that you've got to put, keep putting one step foot in front of the other. Continue to make small incremental steps uh, towards what you know your goal is. Also, try not to be too distracted by other things in real estate. There's so many things you can be distracted by, you know, wholesaling and lease options and flipping and all these other things. Like choose something you want to be involved in in real estate investing and then make it your, your niche, right? You want to be an, an inch wide and a mile deep in terms of knowledge on a specific um, asset class. And whatever that asset that class might be, you have to own it, right? And so for me, you know, in the early stages, the struggle was just, you know, believing in myself that I could continue to make this a reality, continue to work towards my dreams whilst juggling everything else. And it's really, and that's where it's really important to have mentors.
mentors and people surround who you surround yourself with who you aspire to be because they can keep you on that track when times get tough when you start doubting yourself to say hey keep going you keep you're doing the right thing it's just going to take a period of time um, just keep putting one foot in front of the other and so for me looking back and, and you know hindsight 2020 is that a lot of people get into you know business building or, or investing or trying to become financially free and they they have a um, they don't set themselves up for success in terms of their mindset and what do I mean by that well I mean by they go into it thinking they can achieve it in six months or 12 months some people out there are freaks and they can do that very quickly and they can quit their job within 12 months but the majority of us it takes years and years and years and if you've got the wrong mindset going into it thinking that it's only going to take a short period of time and that short period of time comes to the end of you know you come to the end of that period of time and you haven't achieved what you set out to achieve then your likelihood of, of giving up or quitting is probably higher so uh, to all those people listening out there when you do go through those times of self-doubt of you know is this ever going to work out just know that have you also set the right expectations up on the front end to say hey this might take me five six seven ten years to achieve what i want to achieve and that's okay but you know understanding that time limit on the front end will then help you set yourself up for success because when you do when it does get tough and it does get those you know things like you're you're chipping away and you don't think anything's happening it just gives you the the mental calm to know that you're doing the right thing and keep working towards your goals because you know it's going to take a period of time it just won't happen overnight so right and thanks for sharing that yeah so and what are your focus markets and what is the reason for it so my focus markets are in central texas specifically in austin uh, we have some assets in san antonio but we're really focusing down or doubling down on austin texas and the reason is you know i come from a country where we cash flow is very limited and think of my country in australia like uh, los angeles or like california or like new york or like san francisco so high appreciation markets but very low low cash flow. And the reason is supply and demand, right? Demand is high, but supply is low. And so the reason we're doubling down in somewhere like Austin is because Austin has very much transitioned over the last 20, 25 years from a secondary city, which probably had a lot of booms and busts and probably a lot more healthy cash flow into a, a tier one city where the, the demand is high and supply is low. And we've been able to get in prior to the wave of, of people coming. And thus we've been able to ride that wave up in, in terms of not only the cash flow, but thus the appreciation because with high demand and low supply, cap rates do compress. Uh, and that's where owning existing multifamily is really, really paramount to building long-term wealth. Coupled with the high barriers to entry of the supply that side, so look at stuff like new new construction. And because I built new construction here in Los Angeles, in, in New York, in some very you know high appreciation markets, Austin, Texas has is now emulating the same types of dirt value. So you know people go and buy downtown Los Angeles, they can pay two, $250 a square foot. They're paying the same type of dollars per square foot on downtown dirt in, in Austin, Texas. Coupled with the long approval process, you know, can take anywhere between 12 to 36 months of, of approvals, depending on the city. And, and that's similar to LA and New York and Austin's now the same. And then you have the construction on top of that. So again, it takes can take you anywhere between three to five years to build project of, of new supply. So when that barrier to entry is very high, buying existing assets in a market where demand is very high is only going to help uh, over the long term for having a very, very good and stable investment portfolio for you know not only cash flow, but long-term appreciation and long-term wealth. So that is part of the reason why I like to invest in, in Central Texas is a combination of the moderate cap rates, but also the transitioning in a few central markets like Austin from tier two cities into tier one cities and understanding the growth and the path of progress to make the right investment decision. So that's, <laughs> I sort of ranted on there a little bit, but it's, it's my investment thesis. Yeah, awesome. So and what type of properties your company invests and what's 
say? We're investing in anything over 150 to 200 units and more. We're class B, B plus, looking at 90s. Um, we've historically, we've bought 1980s product, but over the last four or five years, we're now transitioning to 1990s build and early 2000 build because those properties are now coming up to 25 years of ownership and they need you know, um, to be you know, valued potential on them. So we're definitely looking at types of those types of properties, but we're also very opportunistic and we're looking at uh, brand new construction deals. Uh, we're also looking at hotel conversions to help with the, you know, the, the housing crisis in Austin, you're converting existing hotels into low cost housing. Um, so we're doing a lot of different things in and around the multifamily space, but our bread and butter for, for the last five or six years has been the value add multifamily. But as we grow and as you know, markets change, we will adapt to that those markets and those demands and those needs. For example, like around a construction, making a, an existing you know extended stay into maybe some uh, cheaper, affordable type of housing. So all those things we are, we're assessing everything we can in certain markets that we're we're really really excited about uh, and making sure we are seeing every single possible deal or, or turn into a possible deal that we can. Um, so we're keeping very abreast of, of what's happening in our market. Awesome. So how to build a cracking A team to help you be successful? You want to know how? <laughs> yes, of course. It's uh, Well, look, it, you can only be as successful as the team you surround yourself with, right? And, and for, for when people start out, you're going to start out making decisions and, and betting on team members that may not work out. And that's okay because you know for the next time that, you know, what to not, what to avoid. And so when people are starting out in the real estate industry, you know, even in single family, you're looking, you got to look for a property manager, right? You're going to need a property manager who's going to help manage the asset. You're going to need a lawyer who's going to help you, you know, close on the deal and negotiate any purchase and sales agreements. You're going to need a broker. Broker are very key to providing you deal flow. You're going to need a local bank manager or someone who can provide you debt financing. And you're going to need a GC. And, and all those people are going to help you be successful. And if you don't have that cracking A team on your bench or, or developing a cracking A team, and again, you may start out with a certain team, it may not be where you fit end up, but you need to start knowing that you can't do everything yourself and it's okay to have people on your team to help you be more successful. How you go about doing that is making sure that you know your market really, really well. You know the best property managers in the market. You know the best general contractors in your market for your specific asset size. If you're doing single family flips, you're not going to go get a commercial grade contractor, right? You're going to look at the, the small, you know, residential size contractor and you need to know who's the best in the business in your market. It's not only about understanding where the deals are in your market. You also need to understand who your best team members are in your market. If you don't know who they are, you need to also spend time vetting team members, understanding their strengths and their weaknesses in order for you to be successful. Because again, you're only as successful as the people you surround yourself with. And if you, the better your team is, the better, you know, the more success you will see in your real estate development or in your real estate career. And as I said, over time, as you start to grow and as we, you know, as I trans just transitioned out of small multifamily, I, I transitioned into larger commercial grade third-party property management teams. I have a commercial grade general contractor. We have uh, well-paid lawyers, you know, every, all our team members grow as we grow. But the the biggest thing you have to realize is that you do need team members on your bench to make sure you're the most successful person uh, or the best, most successful person you can be in your given market. So right. And so what are your sources for capital? What are my sources for capital? Is that what you asked? Yes. Uh, sources for capital have been, you know, through syndication. We've raised it $50,000 at a time through friends and family started with, and then through, you know, podcasting and developing my, you know, my books and my thought leadership platform. I've been able to attract more investors, bigger checks, and we'll continue to grow those, that investor database for years to come. We're now starting to transition a little bit during COVID to private equity um, because we've built up, we, we have about 2000 units in our portfolio today uh, at Wildhorn Capital, my business partner, uh, myself and Andrew Campbell. And 
you know, as you start to grow, you start to attract private equity. And for us right now, like we will build a portfolio of 2000 units. We're very proud of it. We've built it through probably four or 500 investors over the last four or five years. But as we want to go double this portfolio, we know we need bigger check writers, right? And so looking at private equity is definitely going to be our first this year in 2020. We're definitely going to start looking at doing some deals with some private equity sources in order to diversify our tool belt in terms of where we get capital from, but also to react to the market in terms of what types of deals are hitting the market and who can fund those deals quickly. So overall, our our growth has been from friends and family to building our large network of smaller LP limited partners investors and now we're you know we'll still continue to do those deals with our, our, our small investors but we'll also do now some deals with some larger uh, private equity so it's all just the evolution of, of growing a, a real estate investment business awesome so how do you see covid impact on multifamily and in general well so like yeah good question so we're now sitting in september we've been in covid for five months now or longer and and for us really at the beginning of this whole pandemic we had to react like everyone else we had to react very quickly but one thing we we realized very very quickly is that we are in the people business, right? We are without our tenants, we do not have a business. And so for us, it was in March, we, uh, myself and Andrew, we made sure our property management team was getting in front of our uh, our renters, tenants, and making sure that they knew that we're there to support them, right? We're not the big bad landlord. We don't want to kick them out. Like they may have lost a job, not because of any fault of their own, but because it's a global pandemic. So really leading with people first mentality has really helped us navigate the the last three or four months. Um, Now, I'm not going to say that it hasn't been without its challenges. Um, definitely has been. You know, our properties in lower socioeconomic areas have definitely struggled compared to our properties that are in, you know, more white collar type of high income earning type of areas. So it's not without its its trials and tribulations, but we've, we've made sure we've always kept a people first mentality, everything from safety on our properties to working with tenants to understand, you know, their needs and, and how they can pay rent if they can't, if they've lost their job and, you know, trying to be there for them as best we can. Um, we've also got to make sure our investors are made aware of our, our decisions. You know, we had to pause um, investor distributions there for a couple of, for a quarter because it just was, we didn't know what was going to happen. But overall, I think, you know, multifamily, if you compare it to other asset classes, has, has fared very well, you know, uh, across the nation from a high level point of view. You'll have your individual assets that, that will struggle. But but overall, compared to when you compare it to, you know, other commercial asset classes like hospitality or hotels or office space or retail, like it's looking pretty bloody good. And so with that, I think overall, combined with the fact that we're investing in a very hot market like Austin, Texas, and a lot of growth is happening, I think you're going to see a lot more people, a lot more capital at least, want to come into the multifamily game. And thus, I think with low interest rates and more competition, we'll continue having a low cap rate environment. I don't know how long for, but definitely as, as interest rates are low, we're in an, an election year, I think we will see you know cap rates remain where they are and, and assets trade. You won't see a big swing back, you know, from from say a four and a half cap all the way back up to a six or a seven cap. But you may see interest rates recorrect by say fifty basis points in in certain markets. But I think in the long term, uh, multifamily is going to do just fine. And you know, it's all about just getting through twenty twenty and then making sure that yeah, you know, we're getting our employment rate down and we're really understanding how our tenants are being affected day in day out as we move forward through this pandemic. Right. So can you tell me about your best apartment investing experience so far? My best? Yep. Wow. Well, my best one's my first deal I ever did, right? My first ever little deal I bought for $38,000. And the, the reason it's the best is because it, it was my first deal. It got me off the starting blocks and I could prove to myself that I could do it. It was uh, $38,000 for a triplex 
I don't own that property anymore. I haven't owned it for many, many years. But yeah. you know, without doing deal number one, you can't. You don't get to deal number ten without doing deal number one, right? So you have to be willing to bet on yourself, be willing to take that leap of faith. And for me, the first property was I had to buy it all cash because I, I rocked up in this country in 2012. I, I had no credit. I didn't even know what a credit score was. But I had a little bit of cash saved up from from my job and from saving over the course of my career that I was able to buy a $38,000 property all cash. And and for me, it was a willingness to say, hey, if anything goes wrong, it's my money and I'm willing to, to take that risk. And so, you know, that now fast forward all these years later, every single deal I've done has given me more confidence to do a bigger and better deal. And that's what it's about doing that. Those, back to what I said before, the incremental steps doing that first deal. You may want to get to do 100 or 200 unit apartment buildings, but maybe you just need to do a fourplex right now. And that fourplex will get you to, a, to an eightplex and that eightplex will get you to a 20plex and then so on and so on. And it's about making those small incremental decisions on the front end and then push yourself and push your comfort boundaries in order to keep you, you know, to keep you moving forward. Because then after, you know, doing it for, you know, half a decade or a decade, you can look back and say, hey, I got started by buying that first little property and it got me off to the races. So for me, my best ever deal is really my first deal because I gave me permission to go off and do bigger and better things. Right. So would you share your advice? apartment investment experience? I don't have a worst apartment experience yet, touch wood. We're definitely, you know, there's some assets that are, are struggling more than others based on, again, the demographic and where we are in the um, in the repositioning stage. Like part of any repositioning is that you need to go in and change what, you know, the average rental income, so the average household income of a property might be $40,000. You want to transition that over the first two years of ownership or three years of ownership to say 50 or $60,000. That doesn't just happen overnight. And that happens through renovating apartments and increasing the rent, um, having higher barriers to, to for, for renters to come and rent at a property, meaning like you have to show a higher income value to be able to rent at a property. So all those things, it depends on where you are in your repositioning process is and when COVID is hit is really going to impact you think and how things are going for us we've seen one of our assets just you know not hasn't struggled hasn't dropped below 90% occupancy but it's we've definitely seen a lot more turnover of, of tenants than we would have liked because just COVID has hit and has been impacted I do have another horror story from from a, my, a flip that I did many many years ago in Philadelphia and I remember that deal that I, I ended up losing money on that deal because I it was my first ever deal that I, I brought uh, in outside capital which was from my dad <laughs> and uh, he was my you know limited partner and i um we ended up taking longer on the deal because the, the we had to fire the general contractor and uh, it was a bunch of issues but you know what it really taught me was that i'd promised my dad a certain return and i was willing to dip into my own pocket in order to make him not only whole but giving him a return on his money uh, because he'd, he'd give me he'd sort of invested in me because he knew that i was going to grow his, his capital for him so there's been a, a bunch of different lessons learned along the way but that was was early in the career and definitely sticks um really close to the heart because it was something that i learned about even with all my experience of, of managing you know, general contractors, when it's your own deal for very, it was only a small deal at the time, it was less than $300,000. But you know, when it's your own deal, things, you, you treat things differently and being willing to dip into your own pocket when things go bad is really what I learned from that, that experience all those years ago that helped me, you know, have the, uh, the scrapes on my knees to get back up on the horse and, and keep going. So, yeah. So, right. Like you learn a lot from your mistakes and your bad experiences, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, and what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now? Oh, the current focus right now, 
now is, is really we're trying to expand the, the business. We're bringing, hiring our first, a uh, couple of first full-time employees, which is really, really exciting, a couple of associates. And we're looking to expand the business into, you know, as I talked about earlier about private equity. So looking, uh, having different conversations with family offices and growing that part of the business and really becoming more vertically integrated. And that's really where I'm, as a sort of CEO, is really trying to grow that that part of whether it be construction management or a bit, you know, maybe we one day we bring property management in-house as we grow the portfolio from 2,000 to 3,000 to 4,000 units. So really having a revenue generating business in and around, you know, property management and construction that can help support the overall portfolio. Because if you can think about it like, like a table, right? A table is only stable with four legs or three legs, three or more legs. And so, you know, acquiring assets is obviously the main leg, but you have to have other things to support that table, like, you know, fee income, like property management or construction management or asset management, or being able to create a business from direct sourcing product from China, which is what we currently do right now. And so all those things help support the table and make it stable and make it a great foundation for your investment portfolio. And I said, I think for me, investing in real estate is really, really important, but really what makes creates true wealth, business ecosystems and having a business ecosystem that where one business can feed off the other is super important to creating a long-term healthy uh, business that will be around for decades to come. And if you, you know, there's plenty of examples out there. Think of Steve Jobs and Apple, think of, you know, the Oprah, Oprah Winfrey and all her different ecosystems of businesses. And that for me is really what is exciting and driving me forward is, is the, the excitement to build that ecosystem in and around multi family apartment investing awesome and good luck thank you yeah so one advice that impacted you right the best piece of advice you said yeah the best piece of advice is from my dad and he actually he sent me he always used to say to me a fool and their money are easily parted and what does that mean well it means don't be a fool when it comes to your money be educated you know you have to be educated first and foremost because so you can make the right and best decisions but but don't be that fool with the money and, and make sure you're going out learning from people surrounding yourself with people who you aspire to and so you can make the right and best decisions and that's always stuck very true with me awesome so any of your personal habits that help to be successful yeah i've got plenty of them. I try to do, so I'm a, in the last couple of years, I've been really focused on doing my morning meditation. I've got a breathing exercise, a couple of breathing exercises that I do for about 20 minutes every morning. It's a very calming and uh, centering type of technique that, that helps me before tackling the day. I also am very, um, I like to be physically fit. So I like to go to the gym and work out. And I also like to journal and write down my to-do list. So I know what I can get out of my mind and it's onto a piece of paper. So, um, so those three, meditation, physical exercise, and also, excuse me, journaling and um, um, you know, making sure I have a good to-do list on it. And I, do, I don't use anything fancy. I just use diary and I make sure I'm writing out um, the week ahead of what I have to achieve and the, the couple of you know, two or three weekly goals that I want to achieve in that week um, and being very specific about what those goals are. Awesome. So any one book that impacted your life and what way? Sure. I'll give you, obviously, we spoke about Richard Port out earlier, but everyone knows about that if you're probably listening to this show. But another really good book that I love, um, it's actually got nothing to do with real estate, but everything to do with creating online, uh, creating a business just in general is called Keeper person of influence by Dan Priestley. He's an Australian author, um, very, very influential in my growth in terms of how you figure out about being that KPI, that key person of influence in your sphere. How do you go and create digital assets like podcasts and books and, and, and really becoming that thought leader in order to attract more, you know, better partnerships, better employees, um, having better investors and really creating that source of knowledge. And, you know, you're the, the top of people's minds when they think about a certain topic. It was you know, key person of influence by, by Dan Priestley. So highly recommended to go out and get yourself a copy of it if you can. Awesome. And how are you giving back to community? 
How am I giving back to the community? Obviously, I, I do it through my podcast. I do that all on a weekly basis. And I'm making sure that I'm interviewing the best people in the business to help educate my listeners about the different things that are going on in today's world. Investing here in the United States through everything through building ecosystems to building brands to building your investment portfolio through through multifamily and, and other commercial assets. Um, and I also give back a little bit with a, mentor, a mastermind group that I have and that I run, which has been very, very influential in terms of helping other people grow into aspiring uh, multifamily entrepreneurs. Awesome. And how can listeners can connect with you? Uh, the easiest way is to go to reedgoosens.com. That's R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S.com. And you can um, hit me up there. And if you're ever coming through LA and you want to meet up for a beer or coffee or anything, talk shop, you can just hit me up at info. That's I-N-F-O at reedgoosens.com. Awesome. Thank you, Reed. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for having me, mate. You're doing a great job. Keep up the work. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, Please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.